What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 69. We got a lot of football to talk about today, Kyle. Nice. Very just nice. us. Just us. Yeah, just me and Skyler today. Uh, no Brett, no Alex. Uh, per usual with Alex, Brett is here every now and then. Uh, but we do not have him this week. Hopefully we'll get him back next week for uh, episode 70. But oh, we got a lot finally, to talk about. Uh, finally getting down to it. Only a couple more games left to decide playoff spots. We'll be talking about them. Yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of things to talk about today. More ward picks per usual. Uh, a little bit of college football playoff talk mm-hmm. as we had those semifinal games on Friday. We're going to talk about the AB. I don't even know what to call it. Hi, not hiatus, but frenzy that he went on over the weekend and the, the Buccaneers Ridge. game against the Jets. Uh, we're going to do our bets per usual, and then we'll get on out of here. Uh, but first yeah. off, as always, the opener. And my opener is going to be... A-Rod and Devontae just continuing to dominate the league. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has pretty much all but locked up uh, the MVP at this point. And him and Devontae took center stage on Sunday night when they played against the Minnesota Vikings. They clinched home field advantage. And then it's the end. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are just probably the most fun duo to watch in all football, I'd say. Uh, 11 catches, 136 yards, and a touchdown to Devontae alone. Uh, A-Rod finished with... 29 for 38, 288 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Threw two picks in in the opener against the New Orleans Saints, uh, where they lost 38 to three. Since then, he's thrown two picks. Uh, this guy's unreal. Yeah, I didn't get to see a lot this week, but I'm going to go with the Monday night game last night. Steelers beat the Browns 26 to 14. You know, I thought it was kind of weird. I, I was at first on the regular ESPN broadcast, and they were like trying to shove the big Ben narrative down us. And I didn't like it. I, I thought this is just another game. I'm sure Ben thought that too. So I went over to the Manning cast and there were some great guests on there. Yeah. You know, obviously Aaron Rodgers uh, was on that one. Rodgers was great. Snoop Dogg thought he was a offensive coordinator there, man. Why is Ben doing that, man? Like, well, because he gets paid to do that. But anyways, big Ben throws the ball 46 times. For only 123 yards. Yeah. Big story here, though. TJ Watts, four sacks in this game. He's one away from Strahan's record. Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, what a career for for Big Ben. Uh, We'll talk probably more about TJ Watt once we get into our deep boy conversation. Uh, But, yeah, what a career for Big Ben. I don't like him a lot because he is a – Steeler, but besides that, what a career for him. But it is episode 69, so let's do our favorite number 69. Skylar, I'll let you go first with this one. Uh, I think this one's pretty clear. It's Jared Allen, former Vikings defensive end, at least for the best, number 69. I mean, he should get in the Hall of Fame someday. I believe he has four uh, all NFL first team, over 130 sacks. And there's not a lot of guys, you know, you – I think Rodman wore it once, and then David Stern's like, no, you don't, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be a very Rodman number to wear. I'm not going to lie. 
You have one? But, uh, uh, yeah, I went with Jared Allen as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's <laughs> easy one. 136 career sacks. And, I mean, just what a career. Didn't get to watch him too much, but I've seen the highlights. I've watched his 20-sack season highlights. You watch him on Jackass? Time. He sacked uh, Johnny Knoxville. Broke his I ribs. I did not see that. But you that's should look it up funny. after this, yeah. You know, yeah. there's only one MLB player to wear number 69 for multiple seasons. You know who that is? Bronson Arroyo? Yeah, for Pittsburgh. There we go. Yeah, yeah, There we go. I saw him on the <laughs> ranking list of uh, top number 69s. Yeah. So, uh, figured I'd throw him in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Immaculate Sports Player of the Week, like we do every week. Uh, I did not put a poll out because I felt like these two guys – we're unanimously going to be co-players of the week. You, you couldn't go against uh, Jackson Smith, Najiba, and Jamar Chase. Uh, Smith, Najiba, 15 catches, 347 yards, and three touchdowns for Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Uh, just a crazy game by him. Yeah. He was, was going crazy on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Jamar Chase didn't put up an as good of a stat line. But it's just as impressive in the NFL when you go get a 11 catches, 266 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. So we're going to give it to them for Go Players of the Week. I know Mike Glennon had a little slight race in there with his 4 for 11, 24 yards, and two picks against the Bears when he was starting as a Giants quarterback over the weekend. But got to give it to those wide receivers, man. Yeah. Now let's get to the team report. Skyler, I'll let you go first with the Jets. All right, so the Jets lost to the Buccaneers, 28-24. to But Zach Wilson looked great, man. Uh, 234 yards and a touchdown. I believe this is four or five games in a row without a turnover. Uh, ever since he came back from the uh, scary-looking injury, he's been dealing, man. And Braxton Berrios had eight catches and two touchdowns. You know, And as soon as the game was over, we started talking to him about an extension, which I really like because this is one of the dudes through all the chaos this year who has really shown, hey, you know, if we just give him the ball every time, you know, a guy like uh, uh, Cooper Cup or Cordero Patterson, you know, if we just find the spot for him, maybe we could turn him into a pro bowler. So I That'd like be it. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Barrios is a beast for sure. Uh, I know Brandon Eccles got a pick in that game yeah. against Tom Brady uh, and actually had Tom Brady sign the ball after the game. It's pretty cool. Uh, and I know something else that was pretty interesting that happened in that game, but not yes. <laughs> with the Jets. Uh, we'll talk about Antonio Brown later, like mm-hmm. I said earlier. But let's talk about the Raiders now. What a game on Sunday, honestly. Played the Indianapolis Colts. Colts were one of the hottest team in all of football. They beat the Cardinals last week, beat the Patriots the week before that. They've had great games against the Buccaneers as well and a whole bunch of other teams that are top, top tier contenders in the NFL for sure. And we went into Indianapolis and beat them. Uh, started the game off hot. We had a seven-minute opening drive touchdown, uh, ending with a Josh Jacobs run, so that was nice. After that, the rest of the first half was kind of stagnant until we got to the end of the first half when we were up 13-3, to gave the ball back to the Colts with, I think, like a minute left. Colts drive right down the field, so easy for them. Uh, and get into the end zone with a Jonathan Taylor touchdown. They get the ball to receive the second half or start the second half as well. And they do the exact same thing, get down the field uh, and actually get super, super lucky with a deep heave by Carson Wentz that was batted up by Casey Hayward and Trayvon Merrig and then fell right into the arms of T.Y. Hilton. After that, though, defense played amazing. 
we came back to the game. Derek Carr made some great throws to Hunter Renfro. Uh, and I'll talk about some of the stats and some of the things I saw in that game, not just the score here. Derek Carr did not play the greatest first half, but in the second half, he showed why. I think he's our quarterback of the future as well. Uh, just some big-time throws. Uh, third and 10 play where the kind of set up the game-winning field goal, the pass to Renfro. He, he evaded Darius Leonard, one of the top defensive players in all of the NFL this year, and then threw a dot to Hunter Renfro, who was being covered by another pro bowler in, in Kenny Moore. Uh, Renfro made the play, obviously, tried to get up and run after, but I guess he was touched by Kenny Moore's finger, so he's rolled down, which set up the game-winning field goal. Marcus Mariota got some playing time in this one. He had three carries for 16 yards. It's good to see him get some some run, uh, especially not just in those goal line situations. Josh Jacobs played well. Didn't use him as much in the second half because we needed to throw a little bit. But uh, Jacobs, 16 carries for 63 yards, as well as four catches for 17 yards is something that I'm pretty content with. Zay Jones had a career day. His highest uh, total in uh, receiving yards for a game was 120. He got that today or Sunday with eight catches. Hunter Renfro, so good, man. So good. It sits at 99 catches and is over 1,000 yards now. He had seven catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Yannick Ngakwe got a sack in this game. A couple big TFLs for Brandon Faison and Divine Diablo. And then you look at the Colts. Uh, it's kind of weird to say that we did a pretty good job limiting Jonathan Taylor when he had 20 carries and 108 yards. But we became the first team to beat the Colts this year when Jonathan Taylor did go over 100 yards, so I was fine with that. The reason I was fine with that is because we make Carson Wentz make throws, and he straight up just cannot make them. So the key to beat the Colts, get on the board early, stop them a couple times, and make them throw. That's honestly the way that you're going to beat the Colts, especially when it gets into it into the playoffs. Any other notes, Skyler? Uh, that's going to be an exciting Sunday night game. We'll get That's true. That, we'll talk too. about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll start the second half with that one. But let's start the – where's your head at? off with the Tennessee Titans, who have been surprisingly still very good with no Derrick Henry. They just got uh, A.J. Brown back a couple weeks ago. He had that big game against the Niners, and they're trying to get Derrick Henry back possibly this week, if not uh, the first game of the playoffs because he is returning to practice tomorrow. Can the Titans really win the NFC, AFC, though? I don't think they're winning the NFC, but can they really win the AFC? So Ryan Tannehill this year hasn't been great. They have so many injuries. But so far, at least on the offensive side, Tannehill's done his job down the stretch to get the win. You know, the big thing here is the defense. They're great against the run, I believe, number two, but horrific against the pass. That's why they need to get this home field advantage because they don't have a shot against Cincinnati or Kansas city on the road. I don't think, you know, the only thing to get them past, I guess we'll say Kansas city is the, the, the real threat here for them. They, they need that game to be at home. So they need to win this week. Yeah. Uh, and they should win. They are playing the Texans. Yeah. So Derek Henry or not, they should be fine. Even though I, I think they lost to the Texans last time that they played them. Yes. Uh, but my point about the Titans here is that they they beat a lot of teams without Derrick Henry. And what that did for the Titans is it learned it taught Tannehill how to play with these receivers and how to play with these guys without the 
best, one of the best, if not the best running back in all the league. And so now that he has him back, it's going to be a lot easier. It's going to release some stress from him. Uh, I mean, their defense has been balling. I know Skyler said that they have allowed a lot of passing yards, but that run defense has been amazing. They've only allowed 20 points three times since the game that Derrick Henry got hurt. Uh, so winning it, do I think they're going to win it? Probably not. But can they win it? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they took down the Kansas City Chiefs earlier in the year. I think that's a different Chiefs team than we saw, or the a different Chiefs team then than what we're seeing now. But nonetheless, I mean, the Titans have what it takes to really be a legitimate AFC top-tier contender. The Cardinals have been a team that's been struggling recently. They got back on the right track against the Dallas Cowboys, beating them 25-22. to 22. Are the Cardinals back? I don't think the Cardinals can be back without D-Hop playing for them. But this last game against the Cowboys proves that I don't think they're one and done anymore when we were talking about who's the worst NFC playoff team. I don't think that's them anymore. But I don't think they'll ever get back to what we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, I'm going with the same answer here that is no, and that's kind of just due to their consistency and partially their injuries within the second half. Uh, Cardinals, we know, got off that great start, uh, lost the game against the Packers tragically, and kind of haven't really been the same since. Uh, And when you're not consistent in the second half, you're not going far in the playoffs. I think that's been clear, something to see within the last few years. Yeah. That you can be bad in the first half and be great in the second half, but you can't do it the other way around because you're going into the playoffs cold. Uh, and one thing that we knew or that we thought that we knew after eight weeks is that the Cardinals were going to be playing most of this playoffs at home. That's not the case anymore. They, they need mm-hmm. some stuff to go their way uh, in order to win the division. They need the Rams to lose and them to win over the weekend. So the whole game plan changes in my mind for how the Cardinals are uh, and the Cardinals are not back. They are probably going to be first round exits in my opinion. Another team in their division though, the Rams are on the exact opposite track as the Cardinals are. They've won five in a row now, I think uh, dating back to their win against the Jaguars, and then they beat the Cardinals, and then they beat the Seahawks, and they beat the Vikings, and they beat the Ravens. One consistent thing in the last three games for them, though, has been Matthew Stafford playing terrible. He has six picks in the last three games. Is Matthew Stafford good enough to take the Rams on a deep playoff run? No, he's not. But the Rams, with a healthy Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson, even Cam Akers, and their defense can do it. Uh, but if Matt Stafford has another game where he throws three picks, they're likely not going anywhere. Yeah, I think I, I have a similar take uh, as Skyler does. If the Rams only turn over the ball once in a game, I'm pretty mm. sure they can beat anybody. Yeah, uh, like pretty much any any time, anywhere, uh, regardless of location. If it's in Lambeau, if it's in LA, if they turn over the ball one or less times, they're they're gonna win that game. Uh, but with Matthew Stafford going against some of these defenses in the playoffs, like the Cowboys who forced a lot of turnovers, the Buccaneers who might not force the most turnovers, but have a pretty tough defense to go against. And the Green Bay Packers who are getting some guys back, have some great uh, cornerbacks and Rasul Douglas, as well as Jair Alexander. 
Well, one turnover probably won't be the case for, for Matthew Stafford. So I think the team without him is definitely good enough. Uh, if they just had a guy that doesn't turn over the ball as much, but with how Matthew Stafford's right playing right now, I would definitely put a lot more money on the Packers, the Cowboys or the Buccaneers to go farther than the Rams in the playoffs. Another NFC team now, the Eagles. They're a very interesting team. They have not beat a single team that is over 500 this year, yet they sit at 9-7. and seven. We're going to talk about Nick Cerrone a little bit. Uh, First-year head coach for the Eagles. Should he be in the coach of the year conversation right now? Well, there's, there's some things we, we can't ignore about this team, Kyle. You know, they're projected one, to be one of the worst teams before the season started. Um, and I, I called out Sirianni earlier in the year because his play calling was awful and he kind of owned that and they just started running the ball every time, <laughs> which is pretty cool. But also I looked at the numbers. Did you know that the Eagles are the healthiest team in the NFL injuries, COVID, anything like that? They've had, I think it was 26 unique starters from week one play all 16 games up until now. And that's by far the most jets have eight. Mm. I think they the Browns 26, also have eight. 26 yeah. unique start. What do you, uh, the, sorry, not starters, you have, not starters, not starters, not uh, starters, 26 unique players to, to get in every single, all, game. every single game. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, yes. that, I don't think there's 26. Starters, yeah, no, there's not unless special, teams. special teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and not just for that reason, but I, I think maybe top five, maybe just outside of the top five, because there's there's some guys who have, I don't know, uh, done more with their resources. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. this should be ignored, but he's not on my list. He's not my honorable mention, even. Yeah, I I think the wins against good teams really mean a lot. And I know the Eagles didn't really have the highest expectations going into the season, but just, just because of your schedule and beating teams that have six wins should not mean that you should be uh, even in the conversation for an award mm-hmm. like this. Sure, if you beat the Niners, if you beat the Chiefs, if you beat the Cowboys even or something like that, then sure, I'd throw Nick Cerrone in this. But I don't even think he's in the top five at this point for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, their average margin of defeat against teams over 500 is 10 points per game too. So it's not like these games are even one-score games most of the time. Uh, they lost to the Niners by six, lost to the Cowboys by 20, Chiefs by 12, Bucks by six. That was a close game. Uh, yeah. But if if I remember that game correctly, Eagles kind of just had a late push at the end and got a garbage time touchdown to make it that six-point game. Uh, they lost the Raiders by 11, Chargers by three. That was a pretty good game by them. Uh, and then they also lost to the Giants uh, four weeks back, and, but they have not lost since. And so when I look at the conversation, I'd say in the conversation means you're probably top five. Unless you're looking at something like MVP, then I'd probably say top 10. But when there's only a pool of 32, it's probably going to be top five. Yeah. So I look at the top five coaches that I think are probably in that top five and are or is Nick Serrani in a better spot than any of these guys. LaFleur, no. Zach Taylor, no. Mike Vrabel, who won it last year. So kind of a weird spot, but I think with the injury circumstances and things like that, his team being at where they are right now, uh, I would say no as well. Uh, Rich Bisaccia, I mean, I know he hasn't been the greatest coach, but with the stuff that's going on, yeah. uh, 
then yeah, I'd probably put Bisaccia has gone through more, had to deal with more COVID, more injuries, more DUIs uh, than any other team in the NFL. So I'd put Bisacci at the end of that top five. And also Bill Belichick. I know they've slowed down recently, but I'd still put Big Bill uh, ahead of Nick Serrani. So I'm going to say no. I don't think Serrani is in that conversation. Let's get to halftime now. Uh, right. I'll, I'll guess I'll, I'll go over the scores that happened over the weekend first before we actually get into the A-B fiasco. I'll, yes. I'll say that is the word to, to describe A-B's actions over the weekend. Uh, the Raiders-Colts game, talked about it earlier. Raiders won 23-20. to Falcons-Bills, this game was weird. Uh, I didn't really watch much of it. it. seemed like the Falcons were in this one a little bit longer than they probably should have. Uh, but they lost 29 to 15. Uh, Bills can clinch the division this next week if they win. Bears destroyed the Giants 29 to 3. Just a terrible showing by the Giants. They didn't do at all. They didn't do anything uh, in the past. They had negative 14 yards as a team. The Bengals shocked the Chiefs and won 34 to 31 to clinch the AFC North title. I'm not sure the last time that they did do that, uh, but not since the Andy Dalton days, obviously. Titans manhandled the Dolphins and ended their winning streak as well as eliminating them from the playoffs. They win 34 to three Patriots, did an old fashioned beat down on the Jags 50 to 10. Laquan Treadwell was the leading receiver in that game. That was six catches for 87 yards. Good to see him doing all right. The bucks beat the jets 28 to 24. I think that's probably the best case scenario for the jets. You play close against the Super Bowl contending team yet. You still lose. For the pick. Eagles beat the Washington football team 20 to 16. Rams beat the Ravens 20 to 19. The Ravens are not completely eliminated from the playoffs, but they need a lot, a lot, a lot of things to go their way uh, in order to make it. So pretty much consider them eliminated. The Chargers beat the Broncos 34 to 13. It uh, sets up an interesting Sunday night matchup that we will talk about more in the second half. Niners beat the Texans 23 to seven next week for the Niners. It's win if they're in or win and they're in, but they do play the Rams. So that should be interesting. Cardinals beat the Cowboys 25 to 22 saints beat the Panthers 18 to 10 The saints beat the Falcons and the Niners lose to the Rams. Then the saints make the playoff spot instead of the Niners, which I really hope, does not happen because the Saints suck. And I do not want to see them play a game against a top-tier team. I'd rather see the Niners play because even though I don't think that they'll win, I think they'll definitely put up a better showing than the Saints. Seahawks played a high-scoring game against the Lions, 51-29. to Amon Ross St. Brown was the leading receiver in that game, had eight catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown, as well as another touchdown on the ground. Rashad Penny... Going off now, uh, actually out of nowhere, kind of 25 carries, 170 yards and two touchdowns Sunday night. Uh, talked about it a little bit earlier, but the Packers destroyed the Vikings 37 to 10. Sean Mannion started that game for the Vikings. Pleasanton alum uh, the native. did not play the greatest, but also did not play the worst. Yeah, played better than Kellen Mond. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then Monday night, we had that Steeler game with Big Ben. Uh if this wasn't Big Ben's last game as a sealer in Heinz Field, then the main story definitely would have been Najee. 28 carries, 188 yards, and I think he went over 200 yards with his receiving. 
Uh, yeah, he had 18 receiving yards as well. So he finished with 206 all-purpose yards. So a big game for him. Uh, possible rookie of the year. I don't think he will win it, but he is definitely in the conversation, unlike Nick Serrani for coach of the year. But that takes us through week 17, week 18 this next week. It's it's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. Talk about some, uh, some AB fiasco. Heck yeah. All right. So this happened against my team. So I'm kind of excited to talk about it. Here we go. So pretty much there's a video of Antonio Brown freaking out on the sideline. He's yelling at uh, BA runs over. He starts taking off his Jersey. Mike Evans starts calming him down. He says, Nope, Nope. And then he, he takes it off, starts throwing his gloves. And Mike Evans like, all right, get out of here, dude. I'm not messing with you anymore. He's doing jumping jacks in the end zone while Tampa Bay's in the huddle on a third down, while down by 14 against the Jets. Yeah, this is a situation that just everybody, I all the commentators, the commentators are saying, I've been in football for 37 years and I've never <laughs> seen anything close to this. And that's that's probably the best way to describe it. It's so random. Uh, but I saw a tweet and I wish I could credit the guy that made this tweet. Uh, but it's not, no better way to honor, uh, John Madden and the game Madden itself than rage quitting like Antonio Brown did to a completely inferior opponent like the Jets are to Mm -hmm. the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that's what he was trying to do. I thought we'd see him in Pittsburgh on Monday night for that, uh, big Ben homecoming, (laughs) not homecoming, but uh finale whatever you want to call it but ab uh probably last definitely the last time that he's ever going to play in the nfl yeah unless tom brady vouches for him again because uh he's not cut right he has not been officially cut but i think that's because they're trying to find some disciplinary thing to do for him and i guess there's weird rules about suspending players aren't on teams or something like that so uh, I don't think that suspension will matter because I don't think he'll ever play in the league again. Well, but, I mean, what if they need him for the playoffs? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he suits up two weeks later. That'd yeah, Raiders sign Henry Ruggs back. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Let's keep an eye on AB over the next couple of weeks. See what happens with him. But, yeah, keep uh, it on his Snapchat as well because he, he was at the Nets game last night sitting courtside. Uh <laughs> And okay. I know there's a lot of stuff on social media about that. And right. I've seen TikToks, Snapchat videos of his Uber drivers because he's been Ubering around in New York. And uh, and guy's like, hey, Bizzle in the back. <laughs> he just hands <laughs> over to him. He's just like, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Shit. So uh, what a character uh, and what. What a time to talk about mental health awareness, man. Uh, I mean, I mean, one of the greatest nice. receivers of all time, man. Does he make the Hall of Fame? No. I'm I don't think they'll the do it. Same thing. Yeah, do his it. stats definitely show. But uh, I mean, T.O. was a character. He wasn't even close. They made T.O. wait a couple of years. So, yeah, there's no way. Uh, all right. So are we good with A.B.? Yeah, I will. I, I want to For talk now. about him more in the future episodes because yeah, yeah. it's always fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he'll probably do some newsworthy things, but I'm good for right now. 
All right, let's get into some injuries. We'll start it off with uh, some news we got recently. Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns quarterback, not great last night. Uh, he's now going to have the surgery on his torn labrum, so he's out for the year. Honestly, I think he should have done this uh, probably when the season started. I know, you know, it's Cleveland. They usually don't have a chance for a division title. So I could understand their thinking. Baker, if you don't tell him you have to sit, he's not going to come out. Uh, but it's tough, you know, it was his contract year. Um, I, I do think he gets re-signed by the Browns. I don't think he's going anywhere. But it's 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 been so tough to watch him struggle these past couple of weeks because he obviously wasn't – Healthy. Ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. His situation's very, very weird. I think the Browns are actually gonna end up making the wrong decision here and trying to get another quarterback. Mm. End up just kind of throwing them in that same loophole that they've been in for the last 20 years. Yeah. I don't know if Baker goes somewhere and performs necessarily better, but uh I think there's a few teams that would be interested in his services that he provides. Uh, you see Baker in Atlanta in the dome slinging it. That'd be interesting. Um, I feel like I he's just a he's football just, he's team in Oklahoma. I think uh, yeah. he'd be pretty good guy to go back to college, but obviously that's not a thing. If he leaves, though, I just I don't know. Denver does Denver do something for Baker Mayfield? Denver's like uh, it's like the West Coast Cleveland, right? It's not even the West Coast, though, man. It's just like a little bit south of Cleveland, dude. The, the, the general mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I can see Baker playing football, man. The Giants. And that's why. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Washington. Man. I mean, That'd I guess Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina. I'm kind of just listening to teams that need quarterbacks now, but. Yeah. No, I don't really think any of those teams are really in the spot where they take a chance on on Baker Mayfield. Fuck (laughs) off, dude. Yeah, you wish. All right, all right. We got to move on. (laughs) No more Baker slander in there. All right, so Lamar Jackson's missed the past couple of weeks with an ankle injury. He's still unsure if he could play. Questionable for Week 18. Um, Are they mathematically eliminated yet? The Ravens are not mathematically eliminated. They need to win against the Steelers. They need to have the Colts lose. Oh, so it's similar to uh, Pittsburgh's. Yeah, except for, I mean, Pittsburgh needs a – all Pittsburgh needs to do is they need to win. They need the Colts to lose. I mean, I say all they need to do, but that also includes – They haven't won in Jacksonville in four years. And then they uh, they also need the Raiders Chargers game to not end in a tie. That'd uh, be the last thing. Uh, and so there's been a lot of speculation about, hey, if we if the Raider Chargers game because they're already going to know the results of every other game, obviously at that point, uh, yeah. if they're just like because if there's there's a spot where if they tie, they both get in, uh, and if they don't tie, <laughs> then one of the teams gets in. So there's been talk about. Will these teams even try? I mean, obviously they're gonna try. It's it's in a spot where hey, uh, you get a chance to beat the fuck out of your rival, so why not be dumb and kick them out of the playoffs? You don't have to worry about them later. Yeah. Uh, so I would think it'd be kind of weird to like kind of have both teams wave the white flag, but 
I don't know. People are speculating. All right. So the next injury is Jimmy Garoppolo, 49ers quarterback. They found out he's got a torn UCL. Um, and they're optimistic he's going to play week 18, which is interesting. I thought Trey Lance played pretty well this week. I know it was against Houston, but uh, I mean, I guess Jimmy's the guy that got him there, right? Uh, yeah, I think, I think Lance really gives them the better shot in this game. Cause you can't, you can't win this game being average. Uh, that's true. And I think even if your best players play well, uh, if you don't force the turnovers like we were talking about, then you're not going to win that game. And I know the Niners did that the first time against the Rams where they forced turnovers, but the game should play out a little bit differently. I don't really see Stafford throwing two first quarter, first quarter interceptions. I think Lance probably gives them that X factor if they really needed it. Uh, And Jimmy showed up just won't. So Mm. who knows? Yeah. Uh, One more quarterback to talk about Joe Burrow. Uh, looked like a scary injury at the end of uh, their game against Kansas City, but he's going to be just fine playing. I don't with, even know uh, what happened. Uh, it was on the last drive. He like slammed his knee into the ground, kind of like what happened with Darren Waller. Yeah. Uh, but it, they say he's fine. Yeah, I saw there was some injury with his jersey, too. They ripped off his yeah. nameplate uh, and got him wearing like practically a high school number nine jersey. Uh, but I guess everything's all good in the hood in Cincinnati. But yeah, so uh, Clyde Edwards, Elair, Kansas City running back. Um, he's going to be questionable for next week. Uh, let's see, what was it? What was? It? Oh, shoulder surgery. Okay, it's always tough with these uh, with these running backs. <laughs> and then the last one, maybe the biggest one here, Michael Gallup, wide receiver from the Cowboys, torn ACL. He's out for the year. That's huge for Dallas. Yeah, at least his uh his season went out with the bang because he caught a touchdown on the play that he tore his ACL. That's pretty wild. <laughs> that is kind of wild. And the injury didn't even – I haven't looked at it closely or any of the replays or anything like that, but based off of just the catch alone, it's up on our Twitter, by the way, if people want to see it. It doesn't yeah. like look like anything crazy. Like It just looked like maybe his knee hit hard against his other knee or something like that, but it wasn't – like bending backwards, any like crazy movement. It's just, I guess, freak injury. So sucks for him, sucks for the Cowboys, but they got a lot of wide receiver depth. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the semifinal games. Uh, very non-interesting Terrible. weekend for the semifinals. We'll start it off with Bama Cincinnati. Alabama wins 27 to six. Brian Robinson Jr., 200 yards, pretty much just pounded his way through the clock here for Alabama. And it honestly, Kyle, it looked like Cincinnati just tried not to lose by 50. It didn't look like they were playing aggressive at all. Yeah, I am pretty content with how Cincy played, especially looking at what happened to Michigan uh, in the Georgia game. That's true. Because Cincy, I mean, sure, they lost by 21, but they didn't get obliterated. Uh, And that was good to see. And I know there's a lot of teams saying that, hey, this team can't compete. And sure, they didn't compete, but they they weren't like some some shitty team just getting destroyed by Bama. They held yeah. them under 30. Sure, they didn't put up a lot of points on the board, but Ritter played fine, and I'm okay with that. All right. The next game, Georgia beats Michigan 34-11. to uh, This score makes it seem a little closer than it actually was. 
this game was what 26 to three at the end of the third quarter, something like that. And Cade McNamara, McNamara, sorry, Alex, uh, Michigan quarterback through two picks, the backup JJ McCarthy comes in, gets a garbage time touchdown. Uh, but this was a complete domination by Georgia, James Cook, Stetson Bennett. Um, I actually didn't get to watch this game live, which sucks, but I saw saw it afterwards, some of the highlights. So you have any uh, insight information for me, Kyle? I watched uh, a good amount of this game. I think once it got to halftime and I kind of knew what the result was going to be, I switched it to whatever I was watching. I think the Warriors played that night, so I was watching that. But it looked like that was the first time that I really saw Stetson Bennett play football in the first half. Uh, I mean, I've watched Georgia games, but playing football is a bit different than watching Georgia games sometimes because Bennett really doesn't have to do much. Uh, He's got the best defense in the nation and he's got pretty good running back. So he can just kind of do the 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo and just stand back there for most of the time. Uh, But Bennett played pretty well. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And, uh, Georgia's got a tough game ahead of them, that's for sure. And we're going to have to see Stenson Bennett play a whole bunch of football against oh, Bama. Yeah. So January 10th, that's a Monday night. Georgia, Alabama. The game opens up at minus three in favor of Georgia, which surprised me a lot. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking? I, I think I would uh, definitely bet my money on Bama right now. Uh-huh. I think I'd take the Bama money line as well. Uh I don't trust Stetson Bennett to play football against Bama. I don't think he can make big time throws against a defense like that. And even though it's it's still a college defense, it's as close as an NFL defense gets. And both these two defenses are that good. Uh, I just think that Bama offense is better. Uh, and as much as I'd be completely okay with Bama losing, I don't really see that happening. I'm going to stick with my pick here. Uh, I'm taking the Bulldogs. Um, I do like, I like Alabama plus three. That's, that's a pretty good line here. Uh, I think it's going to get bet hard and maybe mm-hmm. make it a, a pick em game or maybe even a Bama, uh, minus one point by the time the game starts. Uh, but I feel like you can't give Georgia a week. Pl- I mean, they, okay. They, I won't say they didn't prepare for Michigan, but they've had January 10th marked on their calendar ever since they lost to Alabama. All right, this defense is going to be hungry for this one. Bryce Young, I think he's amazing, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's ready for what's about to come at him on Monday night. And I'm going to take Georgia by probably two points. <laughs> uh, okay, I thought you going to say two yeah. scores. Uh, yeah. I think Bryce – I know I already kind of made my spiel about this whole yeah. stuff. I think Bryce Young's really the only QB in the nation uh, that plays college that could take down the Georgia defense. I think he's really the only one that has the ability, the weapons, the offensive line to decipher the code and, uh, and create the algorithm to get past the the Bulldogs. This is going to be a fun one. Should be a fun one. Uh, But the college football has pretty much been a disappointment so far. Uh, I know, I know what you're saying and I'm, you know, it was a rough week, but would you rather see Alabama beat Michigan by 40 next week? I wouldn't. No, I'm happy with the outcome. I, I'd be so – if both games are just decent. We, and yeah. I see I see now why they don't want to do a one through eight committee mm-hmm. in the college football playoff because 
as much as we want more games, uh, sure, the four or five game would be fun. Sure, maybe the three six game would be fun, or even yeah. the two seven. But one to eight, man. I mean, no. Bama against some outside power five school that isn't Cincy would just get destroyed. Bama would be against would year. would be playing against Ole Miss in this game, and we know what happened to Matt Corral. We'll you know assume a similar play happens. You know if they're running the same same scheme, uh, he would get think- hurt in the first quarter and we'd have a freshman backup. who doesn't know what he's doing playing against Alabama on ESPN. Yeah. I also don't really think that that's how they do it though. I think they'd make it to the top five conferences. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, And then there's a wild card power five team that automatically goes to the eight spot. And then from there, so we'd uh, see a Notre Dame or a Utah or a BYU against them. Right. Pretty much, uh, which kind of benefits those schools. But regardless, every single time you have to play against that number one seed. So if you're actually legit, you're actually legit. And it rewards that number one seed by, again, to play against a non-Power 5 school. Uh, And then the six and seven seed would just be probably the loser of the conference championship in the SEC and and the Big Ten. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap up our uh, college football talk. But I'm excited for this game. Should be awesome. Make up for some of the horrific bowl games I've sat through. Other than the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl is awesome. awesome. Never disappoints, man. Rose Bowl never disappoints. Uh, But let's get to the second half. And the first thing that we're talking about is week 18 Sunday night football breakdown. It's practically winning you're in, losing you're out. Uh, That's the Raiders and the Chargers. Going to be the biggest game that I've watched in my lifetime, I'd say. Even more than that playoff game with Connor Cook. uh, Because I kind of knew what was going to happen going into it. Obviously, there's uh, a lot of factors that go into this game. I took the approach of what each team needs to do to win this game. Uh, okay. And obviously, I kind of know what the Raiders need to do. And then <coughs> the Chargers, I kind of attack the Raiders' weaknesses and stuff like that. Uh, what, what approach do you take with this? I pretty much just have what I think will happen throughout the game. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first. And I'll, <coughs> I'll let you say what you, your piece. And then from there, I'll talk talk about what I think the Raiders need to do to win. And I think I'll talk about what the chargers need to win or need to do to win uh, this game as well. All right. So this year, the chargers have struggled with pretty much only two things this year. Um, Horrifically, obviously there's, you know, they're not perfect. It's hard for them to run the ball. It's hard for them to stop the run. One player I want to highlight here in this game. that's going to make the difference is Josh Jacobs. He's been on a tear recently. Um, and I think Vegas' strategy here is just to play off of Josh Jacobs. You know, they're going to try to ground and pound as much as they can. And when they can't anymore, they'll play action pass to, shit. I mean, you know, it's a new guy every week pretty much for the Raiders, right? The past couple mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. You know, it, had a big game a couple weeks ago and Zay Jones had his career high just uh, on Sunday. Yeah. So I'm going to take the Raiders by touchdown. Um, obviously if Nate Hobbs isn't playing this game, that would be rough, but I don't I think, think it'll should. matter with this, uh, with this matchup. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I sure hope so. I'm not going to make a score prediction <clears throat> because I hate yeah, making score obviously predictions you, you can't like that. this. No. I just, uh, it's all emotion and all that stuff. Uh, but I'll talk about the keys. Uh, and the first thing I'll do is I'll talk about the keys for the chargers. Uh, I think the big thing for them is run the football Raiders have had a pretty shitty run defense this year, but over the last few weeks, they've really kind of gotten it together. I know they allowed 100 yards to Jonathan Taylor. 
But 108 yards really is not that bad uh, against a guy like Jonathan Taylor with how he's been playing this year. Kept him under his uh, game average, uh, which is nice. Uh, also for the Chargers, they have to make the, the Raiders use somebody else rather than Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Waller's been gone for the past five games, but he should be back this next week. Uh, and Hunter Renfro's been on a tear. So you have to make the Raiders rely on a Foster Moreau, make the Raiders rely on a Deshaun Jackson, make them rely on Zay Jones rather than their top-tier playmakers. Uh, and I guess in that Renfro-Waller category, I'd include Jacobs in that as well. Uh, and then lastly, I think the Chargers need to make a big special teams play. Uh, the Raiders have been really, really good on special teams this year. Daniel Carlson's been money kicking field goals. AJ Cole has been really good uh, kicking punts, making plays like that, uh, as well as the Raiders have been pretty good coverage, pretty good uh, returning the ball as well. Hunter Renfro has been great uh, in punt returns the last two weeks. Uh, so if the Chargers can get a kick return, punt return, block a kick, block a field goal, uh, block a punt, whatever it is, uh, and get a steal possession or maybe some points as well, I think that would really help them. And then for the Raiders, uh, what we got to do to win uh, is win first down. Chargers have a very shitty run defense like Skeller was talking about, and that's kind of uh, was not the case that we saw when we played them earlier in the season that we just couldn't run the ball for some reason, and then that got us behind uh, for long third downs, and that obviously is a lot harder to convert than, uh, say, it's third and three, third and two, third and one, and you can use Marcus Mariota because we've been using him better later on throughout the season. So if we win first down, get good carries on first down, maybe some easy completions, get some yards, make it second and five, second and six, whatever it is, I think it's going to be a lot easier for the Raiders to control time of possession as well as uh, the football throughout the game. Uh, Next thing that goes with that as well is winning the turnover battle. Uh, Raiders are minus seven in the last three weeks, uh, despite being 3-0 as far as turnover ratio. We have not forced a turnover uh, since the game against Washington, which was five games ago. Uh, and we just, we've been turning over the ball uh, a lot, whether it be fumbles, whether it be picks by Derek Carr, if you win the turnover battle, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty tough for the Raiders to lose this game, especially if you force a pick on Justin Herbert or just don't turn over the ball uh, at all. Uh, and then also put good drives together early and score first Raiders have had a really tough time. I'd say earlier in the year uh, of starting off slow the last three weeks, they've been a lot better. Uh, but put drives together early and score first, as well as don't let up at halftime uh, or near halftime. Raiders have been allowing some points in the last few minutes of the half the past few weeks. Uh, but if you can get on the board early, get a stop, and then get the ball back again, I think that'd be really, really big for us. And uh, I want to go to the playoffs, man. I really, really do. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be fun to see and uh, pretty deserving for a guy like Derek Carr, who's had to go through so much this season. One thing we didn't mention that I want to talk about, uh, the Raiders have been great two-minute drills this year. I won't count the Washington game because they, they got the ball back with like 28 seconds or something. Yeah, but, no timeouts, 28 seconds. Yeah, other than that, uh, they've been great in the two-minute drill for, you know, uh, second half and the first half. So I think that'll that'll play here. Yeah, sure. and I I have a lot of faith in, in Derek Carr and D.C. just in, just in general – I think he has a lot. He plays his best when we need him the most, I feel like. And sure, he's had some shitty games within the last few years. 
against Kansas City earlier this year, against the Falcons last year when we lost 43 to 6, against the Jets the year before that, uh, when we got demolished in the Meadowlands. Uh, Welcome. But he, when you, we need him to be great within the last two minutes, he has came through nearly every single time in his career. And if we have a spot where we're down three with two minutes left and we need to go get in the end zone or kick field goal to force overtime or force a tie. Cause I guess that would get the Raiders in the playoffs too. Uh, I trust them to be able to get the job done, uh, especially with the reliable receiver uh, like Hunter Renfro. Yes, sir. Also something to watch for. Yeah. Hunter Renfro needs five catches to tie Tim Brown's record as for most catches uh, by a wide receiver in Raiders history. Wow. I think he is seven or eight away from Darren Waller's team record uh, in receptions that That's he set crazy. last year. Yeah. And it, like, t- I know you know this, you're a Raider fan. If you don't, mm-hmm. Tim Brown was the Oakland Jerry Rice. Yeah. You know, Everybody. who's uh, <laughs> so the, the top three in, in Raider se- single season reception record. Uh, do you know who the top three are right now? So it's, it's Tim Brown at one, yeah. Renfro at two. I uh, guess who's number three. What? 40 year old Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it goes Tim Brown, uh, Hunter Renfro, and then Jerry Rice. So pretty elite company for, yeah. for Hunter Renfro. Let's get to MVP and award picks now. Uh, this is something we do every week. If you've been listening to the show, you kind of know this is uh, part of our show, a mainstay now. Uh, <clears throat> comeback player of the year. I'm not switching anything. I'll just say my one and two right now. Runner yeah. up, I have Nick Bosa and Winning the award, I have Dak Prescott. I have the same. Uh, I mean, arguably Burrow could be on this list, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not changing. Yeah, uh, Burrow definitely could be on the list, but uh, I just think the magnitude of the injury is sure. kind of yeah. tough. And I know Burrow went through a tough ACLs, all that stuff, but that's, I wouldn't say nothing compared to Dak, but yeah. just the whole emotional value is a bit different. Mm. Coach of the year. Uh, my runner up is Zach Taylor though. So even though Joe Burrow isn't in that comeback player of the year yeah. conversation for me or uh leaderboard for me, I am putting Zach Taylor, his head coach uh, as our runner up for coach of the year. Zach Taylor was close for me, but I ended up going with Vrabel. Um, I think I know he I won it last actually, year, I think too. Yeah. but I don't think it could be ignored here. He's the number one seed, uh, with practice squad running back and receivers. It's that's yeah, crazy it's, to me. The Titans, you really don't ever see Coach of the Year's repeat. Uh, mm. I feel like that's a very weird thing to see. It's it's usually a team that under or was expected to not be that good and became really good or expected to be okay and became the best team in the league. Uh, and so I – or I, I said Zach Taylor for the first time. Uh, but I went with LaFleur as my, my leader right now, and he's going to yeah. get the award in my opinion. I know the chart or the Packers were expected to be really, really good this year. But to be the best team in the NFL with the one seed secured with still one more week to play, it's pretty remarkable for how the season started and how uh, the headlines were in like August and September. I also have LaFleur here at number one. You know, I've said it a couple of times now, so many distractions in the off season. And this guy LaFleur, he got everyone to put their differences aside and just focus on this season. You know, and obviously I don't think he'll win it. I think they'll give it to Belichick or Zach Taylor or maybe even Zach Dermott or uh, Sean Dermott. Sorry, got Zach's on the head because Sean Dermott got uh, snubbed last year. They do that sometimes. Um, 
That'd be interesting. I don't think the Bills are at that level right now, but yeah, sure. I guess it's possible. But, but LaFleur is my guy. I think he deserves it. Yeah. Now to defensive rookie of the year. I did not put a second spot just because of how far uh, the first place guy is ahead of everybody. That's, that that is spot? completely fair. I did per- put Patrick Sertan though. Sorry, I was taking a sip of my, my drink there. But uh, Michael Parsons, number one, and that's that's unanimous. I didn't even need to say that. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. Now, this race has started to get more interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a pretty clear favorite now, especially with how we played on Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. But my number two is going to be Najee Harris. All right. Uh, number two is Elijah Barrett Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool, but Walking no guards guard. on this list. Mac Jones is my number two. Uh, I didn't completely take him off the list yet. You know, he was the best of the quarterbacks. He had some doubts, um, and he looked pretty good there for a while, and he's going to be in the playoffs. You know, I know it's not always good to go in to the playoffs when you're cold, but, uh, you know, he's coached by Billy Boy over there. He's always got a plan. Yeah, and they, they obviously had a field good game against – uh, mm-hmm. The Jags, and even though it's they're not a playoff team, the Miami team plays tough, and they'll play them uh, this weekend and, and yeah. get a good test for the team that has already clinched to New England. Uh, but my number one, Jamar Chase. I mean, nearly 300 yards this week, three touchdowns. I had Mac going ahead of him uh, earlier in the year, but once we get to a stat line like this, and really taking a look at the the Jamar Chase stat lines even though they've been spread out this year when you have games like he's had this year you have to put him at number one this is the first time all year i have jamar chase at the one spot he's finally convinced me he's pretty unstoppable arguably should have taken a tackle but hey they won the division they're doing just fine right now with an extra weapon out there that i i don't know if i'd still say i mean it's pretty if someone were to argue that they made the wrong pick there with Jamar Chase, I still would be okay with that uh, because there mm-hmm. is a Penesua out there and Joe Burrow has been sacked a lot. So maybe not the best for his longevity, but if they attack that position this year's draft or the free yeah. agency, whatever it is, uh, I get a, maybe not a tackle that could be the level of Penesua later in his career, but a guy that has been really, really good and still have Jamar Chase and, uh, yeah, I think things are going to work out pretty well for that that Bengals squad. You know, like in the a, next few years. a pick like this, it, as a Jets fan, it makes me think, why not grab a Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson with our second first round pick? If this is how Joe Burrow has been elevated just by drafting a familiar face or a deep threat, you know, like if we just mm-hmm. have one deep threat on our team, how how much would that change the entire history of our franchise, you know? Yeah, uh, I do think uh, it's not one of a kind, but that Chase Burrow connection is yeah. not a rookie connection. I understand it's, that. it's something that their fourth, fifth year together. Sure, they had a break year uh, when Burrow was on the Bengals and Chase was still at LSU. But that that connection is, is something not as good as a Rodgers, Devontae Adams, but something that could get to that level uh, here within the next few years for sure. Uh, defensive player of the year now. I have a different number two than what I've had for most of the year. Uh, and that is going to be Darius Leonard. Uh, one of the best linebackers in all of football, super underrated. He has forced nine turnovers this year That's a lot. Uh, while still having a lot of tackles, a couple sacks, forced fumbles, picks, whatever it is. 
He is everything on the football field. All right. My number two, I'm going to stick with Trevon Diggs here. I know he's been, you know, the worst defensive back in coverage this year, but he's got 11 picks. <laughs> and uh, we've talked, we've tried to break it down. How is this possible? Does this actually help? And yeah, it helps. It does. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many yards you give up when you're taking the ball away, extra possession, cut the field in half for your offense. So he's sticking at number two. Yeah. And the Cowboys are very content with how, uh, Trayvon Diggs plays because of how their offense is. If they had a Jaguars type offense where they're not putting up 25, 30 points a game, then yeah, uh, they wouldn't be happy with how Trayvon Diggs plays. Sure, he has 11 picks, but teams wouldn't be throwing the ball as much, whatever it is. Uh, but when your offense is capable of just getting those seven points right back that you allow, then uh, you can take that risk of going for picks and pick sixes, whatever it is. Uh, but he fell out of my list just due to how good Darius Leonard has been. And then number one, I've had him here for most of the year. I'm proud to say that, uh, that I think I got this pick right now. And that's TJ Watt as my deep boy. Yes. I, another player, I finally made the move back to number one, TJ Watt, 20 and a half sacks. He had four last night uh, and he's missed two games this year. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Not to mention all the forced fumbles, past deflections. This guy yeah. is the defensive player of the year. Yeah, and I'm happy that I had him chosen over uh, Miles Garrett early in the year. And I, no knock on Miles Garrett, but I feel like I, I got that pick right. I'm looking uh, at it the other way. Like, I mean, I, I'm thinking, uh, like, can you believe how much has changed, you know, in that time? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's, it was just me, just just kind of no one was going on or whatever. But <laughs> I, I feel like I did good there. Uh, on to Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, and I have Jonathan Taylor <clears throat> as number two. Uh, I think he's higher up in MVP, but uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor at number two. I have Cooper Cup at number two, same as last week. And, you know, we just go ahead. You know, there's there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, so me and Skylar have had this, our list flipped uh, week after week now at this point where I choose Cup as one. He chose his Taylor at one. Uh, Cup is just... Uh, as far as offensive impact, as far as yards and touchdowns and receptions and stuff like that, I think Cuff just has a bigger impact. Sure, he isn't as valuable, but as far as offensive player of the year, uh, yeah, I, I'm going with Cup. He just he just posts up stat lines yeah. after stat lines after stat line after stat line. That's that's fair. Uh, you know, I do think it's like you said, it's harder to catch a a receiving touchdown than it is to run one in. Um, but and maybe this is a little bit uh, on me. You know, I predicted Taylor to have a breakout year. So maybe <laughs> this is like, uh, like you with, with TJ earlier, but I think he is one of the best players in the NFL already. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, and I, I don't know, just Cooper cup. You see, has had one game this year where he's had less than 90 yards receiving. Like that's just, that's so, it's, I mean, I almost feel kind of bad, not picking Cooper cup, but like you can't go wrong. I feel like. Yeah. And if they were to do co-players uh, of yeah. the offensive player of the year, then I think they could have definitely, they can definitely do this for this award. Yeah. Uh, let's get to MVP now. Uh, and at number three, I moved him down the spot is Jonathan Taylor. And that's not due because of him. I think yeah. that's because of Carson Wentz. Uh, I don't, Jonathan Taylor's very, very, very good, uh, when you have a lead, uh, and you don't have to get back into a ball game, but obviously it's pretty much impossible to get back into a ball game 
uh, with the run game because it takes time. You can't really get the big chunks like you can in the past game. But Jonathan Taylor's been amazing. He's still up here near the top of the list. But uh, when you need Carson Wentz to make those throws and be valuable, I think it's very tough to take a guy like Jonathan Taylor and put him above some other people I have on this list. I do want to say my four and fives, Joe Burrow, Cooper Cup. I just feel like they shouldn't go unmentioned. Uh, But number three, I still have Tom Brady. Uh, I know we had, uh, you know, another crazy comeback touchdown drive, but uh, it was against the Jets. And that upsets me. So I'm keeping him at three. (laughs) I am going with Tom Brady at number two. Uh, He's going to have 5,000 yards uh, if he throws for 10 yards this next game. Uh, He has 40 touchdowns in back-to-back seasons for the first time in his career. Uh, And the problem of throwing the interceptions hasn't been as big as a problem as what I thought it was going to be. Uh, Looking at the span where he threw five, had five straight games in the interception, he's really thrown... He's only done two in the last four. So I'm going Tom Brady, uh, TB12 at number two. All right. My number two is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Just because I feel like, you know, you take out Jonathan Taylor from this offense. This team is under 500. Right now they're a playoff team. I feel like you look at all the playoff teams, you take away the running back. Not a lot of guys would have this impact. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm, I'm keeping him at number two. Yeah. I think that's a valid reason too. Uh, but number one, uh, yes, pretty, pretty easy choice. Now, uh, Aaron Rodgers is just incredible. Uh, 35 touchdowns, four picks. He, I, I don't even know how to describe it. He hasn't thrown a pick since, uh, the November 14th game against Seattle. Uh, since then, let me let me tally the touchdowns real quick. Four, six, 10, 13, 16, 18 touchdowns. Uh, and if you take out that game with that one pick and didn't throw a touchdown before that, he had another seven touchdowns too. So it's been 25 touchdowns, one pick within the last three months at this point. So I, mean, I do have a way to describe it, Kyle. Crazy. Uh, I would describe it as the greatest passer of the football in my lifetime. I think just in of football's lifetime. I, I, I was close to saying that, but, you know, I've heard stories about, like, Sammy Baugh, like, getting bored and throwing passes behind his back and, like, <laughs> like throughout the whole game. And, uh, so I, you know, and I don't want to step on any toes here. I wasn't around for, for those days. I just think it's crazy that since – that that first game against the New Orleans Saints, he has had 38 total touchdowns and two picks. That is insane. And he's That's the back-to-back just... MVP, deservedly. I mean, come on. I, I heard a story today. Did you see this? About the writer who said he's not voting for Aaron Rodgers because, oh, because of, of his, his character issues or yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I know Casey Hayward, I think it was, retweeted that and actually added the guy that he thought it was and saying that this dude shouldn't be Beat reporter, obviously, Casey Hayward uh, spent a lot of time in Green Bay to start his yeah, career, right. so he kind of knows what's going on around there. Uh, and so he kind of called the guy out. Uh, I think it's a very interesting thing to say. I think it's very stupid of the, the voter to say that he's not voting for Aaron Rodgers because of his leadership or not vaccination, whatever it is. It's yeah. just it's we're talking about football here. We're not talking about politics. So A-Rod won't be unanimous, but I feel like everyone else, except for maybe a Colts writer, 
or a Bucks writer. Mm-hmm. We voted for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, as they should. Yeah. Let's get to our bets now, and let's get out of here. Uh, yeah. I did bad. Scaler did good. Yeah. Simple as that. I had the the Buccaneers minus thirteen versus the Jets. Uh, maybe if AB isn't so crazy, this covers, but likely not because they were still down 14 when this happened. I'm proud of our uh, boys, man. But uh, it was a good game for the Jets. I didn't think they played this well. I didn't think Skyler even thought that they'd play this well. Uh, but they cover, or the Jets cover by quite a bit. Uh, then Skyler had Bama minus 13 and a half versus Cincy. Uh, that did yes. uh, indeed happen as they won by 21. We go to this week now. Uh, I have Green Bay minus two and a half versus the Detroit Lions. I know Aaron Rodgers probably won't play in that game, but it's the Lions. So I really don't think it's going to matter. I think Jordan Love still plays good, even though Devontae Adams doesn't play as well. I think he's still probably going to have MVS to throw to, Aquamania St. Brown, uh, Alan Lazard. Uh, AJ Dillon probably runs for a shit ton of yards in this game. And uh, I want to see Jordan Love play. I'm fine with that. So I'll go Green Bay minus two and a half. All right. I got Washington minus six and a half at the Giants. Uh, looks like we won't see Antonio Gibson in this one because, you know, and it doesn't matter either. These teams are both out. But if Mike Lennon's starting, uh, Mike I Lennon isn't say, starting. He isn't. It's Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm. Okay. Fine with that too. If Mike Lennon or Jake Fromm are starting a game in the NFL, I'll take the touchdown points. All right. Yeah. I know. I, I got to pull up the Giants scoring within the past uh, little while. Let's see here. Let's go back to uh, the Giants have scored more than 13 points once since uh, like mid-October or something. Dude, like I, I mean, I know they've had a lot of injuries, but that's worse than Adam Gase-led offenses. Yeah, uh, Joe Judge should be out. But uh, they're bringing they, everyone back. What's up with that? They're not. I mean, they they might fire Gettleman. They should fire Gettleman. That's what I've been hearing. But other than that, sheesh, man. Yeah, they're not bringing them back. You watch. Uh, I know I mean, this is kind of random time to bring it up. Do you see the stuff that's happening with the Jags fans? Oh, they're going to wear like clown outfits? They're wearing clown outfits to the game uh, because of the Jags owner's decision yeah. to keep keep Trent Balky as their GM. Wow. They, they should just like not it. show up. That would be even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably because you're still supporting the team, even when you buy clown suits and show up to the game yeah. uh, and that, but still crazy. Nonetheless. Uh, and I feel bad for Jags fans because they kind of have to go through so much. They just want to watch. The I don't, I don't feel bad. It's their fault. They, they're the ones who drafted the bus, Trevor Lawrence. Well, they didn't, the fans didn't draft people. They didn't, they just want to see a good winning football. No, I just mean, I feel, I feel, I feel your pain. So, uh, we're equal, you know? Yeah. And you went to I, an I AFC see some similar things with the Raiders too. So, uh, we'll see if things change here soon for, uh, our teams. Uh, hopefully things can change for me this weekend, but let's get to our bold predictions yeah. and then let's leave. Uh, I did not do good here as well. I thought Kansas city was actually going to blow out, uh, Cincinnati, that did not happen. Uh, I'm sorry, Cincinnati fans. I wasn't really speaking towards you guys. I was speaking more towards Kansas City being on the, the run that they've been on. Uh, but y'all beat them. Congratulations with that. 
Skylar chose Pittsburgh over Cleveland. That I don't know why the line was Cleveland yeah. minus three and a half. I thought that was very obvious slam uh, Pittsburgh because it's Big Ben's last game. But Skylar gets that pick right. Yes, Let me go to this week. I have Miami over New England uh, plus six and a half. Miami lost their last game, but I still think they're going to play for pride here. Uh, I don't think they have their first round pick. Uh, and I mean, why not go ahead and go be, go sweep the, you're one of your rivals in the New England Patriots. All right. I'm going to go with the Falcons to beat the saints here in week 18. You know um, who likes that one? Yeah. Brett does. Brett does. That's for sure. For whatever reason, the Falcons have been close in almost every single game this year. I don't like Taysom Hill. I know Kyle has his, uh, opinions on the saints here and it would be the perfect narrative here uh atlanta 2021 the worst team in nfl history to win eight games yeah <laughs> and they'd be the worst the first team in nfl history to uh win eight games and be under 500 yeah <laughs> if their game uh, ends first yeah true yeah. uh but i mean atlanta sucks but they're eight, they yeah. they could be eight and nine uh, which is weird mm. to think that's going to do it for episode 69 though. A uh, pretty fun episode. Our socials, our Twitter is at Mac sports, Instagram, Mac sports, YouTube, TikTok, immaculate sports, crazy episode. We're going to be talking about a lot of things next week, man. Mm-hmm. Episode 70 is going to be a classic, uh, but this has been a fun one for sure. Yeah. Even after 70, maybe uh, a Friday show where we go through the bracket, make our picks. Hmm make our picks because it is tough making picks for games uh, that are six days away since yeah. we record this on Tuesdays, obviously, and games really don't happen until Sunday or, or Saturday, I guess, in, in the playoffs case, or now Monday as well with uh, the the ESPN contract that they wrote uh, for the playoffs. So maybe uh, after episode 70 next week, you'll see us again later in the week, but it's been a good one, been a fun yeah. one. You got any parting messages? We'll see you guys next week. Go Jets. And Bulldogs. later. Ooh.